Yeah. Okay. Um, so I think, are we ready to start in, in a second? I'm just going I'm to ready. invite Ariel. Hello. Ariel. And okay. Well, if we are ready to start, then good evening, everybody. It's a pleasure to be learning here with you this evening as part of the Falls Man at Drisha. This is the second of three parts of Hanukkah, Holiday of Homebodies with Rabbanit Leah Sana. As you come into the Zoom room, I will invite you to become a panelist. You should accept. It just means you can turn your camera on if you wish so we can see your lovely smiling faces. And when Rabbanit Sana invites questions and comments that you would be able to unmute yourself to ask. We just ask that you keep yourself on mute when you're not speaking. It minimizes the background noise so we can all hear each other clearly. Um, your questions and comments are always welcome in the chat if you're joining us on Zoom. And if you're joining us on Facebook Live, then you can put them in the Facebook comments and I will bring them to the Zoom. I will be sharing the sources in the chat in a second. Um, and uh, and with that, I will pass over to Rabbanit Sana. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. Um, definitely feel free to um, accept the invitation to be a panelist. And I definitely welcome um, questions and interruptions. As I mentioned last time, I'm going to share my screen. So if you want to get my attention, the best way to do that is just to come off mute um, and ask your question. And if I'm like in the middle of something, I'll just be like, hold on one sec. Um, and then we'll keep going. So don't hesitate to interrupt. Um, if you put something in the chat, I might not see it. So I'm going to um, tell Liliana that it's her job. So I'll be like, oh, someone in the chat said blah, 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 blah. Um, and that's how we'll manage that. Hello, Rena. Wonderful to see your face. I know I owe you a note. Um, and um, and um, yeah, that's what we're going to do. Okay. So last week, we kind of introduced our topic um, and we started with the classic Gemara of like, what is the core mitzvah of Hanukkah? The core mitzvah of Hanukkah is ner ish uveto. Um, so it's a candle, a person, and a house. And then we saw how Rashi classically interprets that, which is one candle per household every night. Um, but we saw the Svatimet, um amazingly kind of saying like, that's not a necessary read. Like that could have just meant, yep, happy eight days of Hanukkah on one of these days we celebrate by lighting one candle. Um, and that actually, you, you know, and, and there's a way in which Rashi makes sense and he argues out in, at the end, he argues out in Rashi's opinion, but to really like focus in on what is the sort of the shot, maybe what we'd say, like the simple understanding of just those words. Um, so we started out there and then we said, um, in this class, we're mostly gonna be focusing on the requirement of Uveto. What does it mean to have a house? Um, but in order to fully dive into that, which is where we're really gonna be this week, we're in that question, what does it mean to have a house? And I'll introduce the frame by which we're gonna explore that. Um, last week, we talked more about the question of, um, or like the, the foundational kind of chakira, maybe you would say, um, about Hanukkah, which is, is it a mitzvah aguf or is it a 
mitzvah habayit. We saw the Pnei Yoshua who says it's a mitzvah habayit, um, which then opens up all of these comparisons to other mitzvot habayit, classically mezuzah. Um, and then we saw some people compare, you know, saying, well, it's compared to that, but it's a little bit gentler. So um, you could have a mitzvah habayit for Hanukkah, said the Maharsham, that's not exactly um, within a structure that would fulfill or that would require a um, mezuzah, but it still has to be a buy-it. So then we saw the Rashi um, about the ro'eh, the person who can't participate, but can't light Hanukkah candles themselves, but sees Hanukkah candles. And we saw that Rashi talking about the person who's maybe on a boat and you can't light Hanukkah candles, says Rashi on a boat. So then we saw the Maharsham saying, yeah, you can't light Hanukkah candles on a boat because the boats then, they were, were open to the wind and not covered and you're just sleeping out under the stars on your boat. And that's insufficiently a buy-it. So you cannot light Hanukkah candles on your boat as opposed to on a train where you've rented your own space and it has the basic structures, walls, and a roof that provide a house-like structure. So it maybe isn't because it's moving or whatever, like maybe doesn't technically fulfill the requirements uh, or the, the you know criteria of a mezuzah, but it's still housey enough to be a place where you can light Hanukkah candles, unlike a boat. Versus, we saw the Tzitz Eliezer who says, I, I disagree with the Pnei Yehoshua. Ner Ishu Veto, buy it, is not a real piece of that category, actually. And the mitzvah of Hanukkah candles, he says, is his language was a karkafta de gavra, is on the, the skull of the individual. Every person just lights Hanukkah candles wherever they are. You're sleeping out under the stars. Even said the Tzitzeliezer, and this is gonna that this is gonna be our, our topic for today. He, he says, even if you have somebody at home, you it's better for you to light yourself. And if you're on a big camping trip with a whole bunch of people, then you can either all join in together and light together, or everyone can light next to their own little corner. Um, and there's no requirement for structure of the house. And the reason why the guy, Rashi's guy on a boat, couldn't light Hanukkah candles is because you don't want fire at sea and they didn't let him. And not because of anything structural to do with the boat. And you're so it's interesting, right? Because even when the Tzitzeliazar says um, your the mitzvah of Hanukkah is a karkafta de gavra, right? So even when he says the mitzvah of Hanukkah is on the person, he can't get rid of ner ishu veto, right? The Gemara says that's the mitzvah of Hanukkah, ner ishu veto. So, so we have to ask ourselves then. In light of the Tzitzeliazar, what is the home? <laughs> what is Nerish Umeto for Tzitzeliazar? Um, and it seems like, you know, that corny line, like, home is where the heart is. Um, like, he would just, and I think the Tzitzeliazar, I think that's, the, and I, I'd love it if someone else had a had another read, but I think the only way to say it is, for the Tzitzeliazar, the guy sleeping outside, lighting Hanukkah candles next to his sleeping bag, Ner Ishu Beito is, yep, this, this little spot of ground is my buy it for the night. Buy it is wherever I am. I am either eating or sleeping there, which we're going to see a little bit tonight. What defines that? And buy it is defined by basically my body. So 
that I think opens up some really important questions that um, that we scratched at last week and we're gonna really look at inside and much more intensively tonight. And the framing that we're gonna look at it through is the lodger, the guest, the achsanai, the person who's staying in someone else's home, maybe in an inn, and what he is supposed to do on Hanukkah. And the, the questions, the border cases of the, the person in an inn is we're gonna, one of the questions we're gonna see is at what point, if I am staying in this inn for months on end, is there is there is there some point in which I stop, in which it just becomes my house and I just become a member of the, of the home? of the community of this inn. Um, and where you start to see that also are in discussions about Bacharim, uh, yeshiva boys, and where they're supposed to light candles and do they each light their own or do they light it all together? Um, or do they live at the places that they're staying? So much so that if they're staying with families, they're just members of those families and they don't have to even light for themselves. They just are included in the family. Um, and then the other, so that's one set of questions, right? Like at what point does a guest become so permanent that this is now their bite? Another set of questions is a, a very basic one. I'm, I'm going to a hotel for the night and I'm leaving my spouse at home. Is my home where I am, right? We saw this discussed in the Tzitzeliezer, but now we're going to go back to it. Is my home where I am or is my home my home? And if someone's there to light, then they've done the thing for me. But the Tzitzeliezer pointed out, and we're going to see this way, way, way earlier in the Tzitzeliezer. We're going to see this now in the Mordechai and in other places. Um, okay, so like someone's just like doing Hanukkah on my behalf. Like what if I'm in uh hotel for all eight nights of Hanukkah my spouse lights for me at home for all eight nights of Hanukkah like then I just I was yote Hanukkah but I also did not see a single candle that's a that's a real possibility right that's a real possibility when you say Hanukkah is about your house your house it, you took care to make sure that your house is having Hanukkah Hanukkah has nothing to do with an individual so we're going to see some complexities starting to arise around that potential problematic um, of like, well, this is my house, but I'm not there. <laughs> Can my house celebrate Hanukkah without me? What does that look like? Okay, so let's dive in. We're going to see, I think, some really interesting stuff. Um, and um, that's what we're doing tonight. Okay. All right, so let's start with our core Gemara on this question. So we just established in the Gemara that Hadlaka Usa Mitzvah, that it's actually the lighting of the candle, which means that I can't put up like a like a yard set, you know, those like Shiva candles, like those seven-day Shiva candles. So maybe I could have lit an eight-day candle, and then I would have like I did Hanukkah. I lit one giant eight-day candle. Every night I can look at it and make a bracha on my giant eight-day candle, but I don't have to actually light it. No, says the Gemara, hadlaka mitzvah. Okay, so now that the candle has to be lit with intentionality, or let's say it has to be lit, <laughs> now we're going to say it has to be lit with intentionality. Oh, there are categories of people in halacha that cannot have intentionality. Therefore, he lika chiri shodzevakatan. 
people who cannot have intentionality are people who can't communicate with the world. So we don't know if they can have intentionality, um, which is the cheresh, the person who can't, um, who can't hear and can't speak. The shota is a person, the Quran translates it as imbecile, but someone who's just like not cognitively um, present enough to have, um, to have the ability to have intentionality. Um, and then the minor who similarly is not yet old enough to have intentionality. So because the candle actually has to be lit, it then has to be actually lit by someone who can light it with intentionality. But then they say, okay, as opposed to Kherishotha the Katan, which, you know, as a trio are often similarly paired with women and slaves, slaves are left out of here, but Isha Vadai Madlita, but a woman can certainly light. To Amar Rabbi Shubin Levi, because Rabbi Shubin Levi said, Nashim Chayavot Bener Hanukkah Sha'af Hanayuba Oto Hanes. Women are obligated in. The Hanukkah candles, because they were part of the miracle. There are a lot of different interpretations as to what that miracle was. Um, but one of them, put forward by Rashi and others, is that they um, stood up to the sexual violence of their Greek um, rulers at the time um, with um, tremendous resonance to our politics today. Um, okay, so women are obligated equally as men in Nero Hanukkah. Now, we get to Roshishet, and Roshishet is going to see something that is complicated. Um, and the Sfat Emet, who apparently is my guy, I don't know, I've never like taught as much Sfat Emet on the Gemara as I have in the Shurim, but he's going to point out something really cool about this Roshishet. Um, but Roshishet says, Achsanai Chayav Bener Hanukkah, a guest is obligated in lighting the Hanukkah light. Okay. In the English here, they add in, in the place where he is being hosted, but that Roshisha does not say that. He just says, a, an achsanai chayav b'ner Hanukkah, okay? Which means, I, okay, I'm not in my home, I'm in someone else's home, I have an obligation in Ner Hanukkah. That could mean a lot of things, right? It could mean I'm obligated in it. So I'm making sure that someone does it back at my house because it's a mitzvah on the house. Or it could say, no, it's a mitzvah on me. And so even if I'm not in my house, actually this hotel that I'm staying in or this other person's house who I'm a guest at um, is now my house because I'm staying in it. And so therefore it just lowers the bar on what Neri Shubeto is. What's the bayit? Bayit is not defined by permanence. It could be by that's that's um it, that's a, a really interesting and important and next week we're going to talk about this much more in depth but like this idea this potential idea that means that beto can be defined as just wherever you are that's your by it that's a really fascinating idea and that home is actually this idea that home could be you're just on the way you were kicked out of your home, you were exiled. Home for the purposes of Hanukkah is wherever you are, even if it's actually someone else's home. Um, I think that's a very, very powerful and important idea. So that was a little bit of a spoiler for where this is going and what we'll be looking at next week. But anyways, okay. So Rosh Hashanah says, Achsanai Chayav B'ner Hanukkah. And that can either mean 
I'm a person. I am not home. It doesn't matter. I'm still obligated to, to dispense with my obligation of Nero Hanukkah. That obligation is either potentially dispensed by people elsewhere on my behalf, or no, I actually have to do it where I am. And the fact that I'm not home does not make me exempt from Nero Hanukkah. And the, the part of the thing, and I said this already in the introduction, part of what makes the latter piece so compelling is that if I'm traveling like nowadays we go on one day trips but like that's very recent that you can like go on a one day trip and then be home you know like traveling for them the Rabinu Tom had to issue um had to issue like a travel limitation like husbands are only allowed to be away from their wives for like so many months at a time and it's a tremendous number it's like 18 months at a time or something like that is like the length of time when husbands are allowed to be away from their wives like travel um in in previous times was a much bigger deal um and so the understanding i think the assumption is you're an achsanai you're chayv in their hanukkah because if you weren't chayv in their hanukkah you wouldn't have hanukkah at all like hanukkah would just disappear for you so if she says okay so now we have rabbi zera and he's going to tell you about what he did as an achsanai so i'm a rabbi zera at first, when I was studying in the yeshiva, I would participate with little coins, with prutot, together with the host. Um, it, okay, we're going to notice this word of mishtatafna, participation. Um, at the very end, we're going to see a minchat asher by Asher Weiss, where he um, has a really beautiful insight as to what this language of participation is, right? Because you should think, oh, it I, it needs to be mine, so I'm gonna purchase it, not like participate with it. Participation. It's a strange term, actually. Um, so anyways, stay tuned. We're gonna see that. Um, so I what originally when I was in Yeshiva, I would participate with my host, um, meaning like they're lighting and I'm buying into it. So they're lighting maybe on on my behalf, let's say like that. Um, Batar Dinaseve Itza, but once I got married to a woman, Amina, I said to myself, Hashta Vada Lotarichna, certainly now I no longer need to participate with my host, Dakamadlike Alai Begobetai, because they because now people light for me on my behalf in my house. So Rabbi Zaira says, when I was single and there was no one lighting on my behalf, then I would participate with my host. But once I got married and there was someone at home, then I, I, I my wife lit for me and I did not light in my host's home anymore. Which means, right, if you had to draw in order of priority for Rabbi Zaira, it seems like best case scenario, someone's lighting for you in your home, maybe even at the expense of you like seeing no trace of Hanukkah, right? I mean, he's talking about himself at the yeshiva, so probably he was seeing Hanukkah all around him and his host relating Hanukkah candles, but it seems like within his context, best option for someone who's at, at a kolel or whatever during Hanukkah, best option is someone lights for you in your home, near Ishu Veto, emphasis on the place that is your home, even if you're there, you know, once every six months, like if you're calling that home, 
you could vote in that state, <laughs> um, then um, then that is where someone should be lighting for you. And then you would not participate where you're staying. Um, and option number two, if that's not possible because no one lives in that home when you're not there, um, would be for you to then participate with your host. Okay, the other thing that's interesting about this and that we're not really gonna go into so in depth, but just important to flag is the question about when you're participating and with your host, does that mean that the host whole family is just doing near Ishuvito? Like they're just lighting one light and you're chipping in for that? Does that mean that they're doing the, the Rees version? Last week we saw a debate about whether in Mahadran, Mina Mahadran, between the Tosfot and the Rambam, what, whether the Tosfot say, when you're doing Mahadran, Mina Mahadran, the optimal way to light Hanukkah candles is one Hanukkah per household. Because otherwise, how do you know what night it is? And how do you know you're actually following Beit Halal and blah, 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 blah. Um, versus the Rambam who says, no, Mahadran Min Mahadran is every member of your house is lighting their own Hanukkah. So this could be understood as Rabbi Zera siding with, I mean, Kivyachol, right? Um, siding with, um, siding with the toast vote, right? That it seems like, why would you participate with your host instead of just lighting your own menorah at their home? So option one option certainly is poverty um but another option would be no in this house that i'm staying at they only light one menorah so there's no option for me to like go light my second one the only way for me to be using the mitzvah hanukkah here is to participate in their singular lighting um so just like a lot of sort of interesting stuff that arises and questions that arise just from this um from this kamara so let's see um, I know some people have joined, so I just want to like invite people to interrupt if they have questions, <laughs> chime in. I would love to hear your voices. I also have lots of thoughts and opinions, so I could just keep sharing those also. Yes, Rina. Um, <clears throat> I was just wondering, can you repeat that, the two options? Because you said a couple of options for um, the Kolal student, according to Rabbi Zera. It's yes. like you're interpreting Rabbi Zera by like bringing options so. So Rabbi Zera, Rabbi Zera tells his own story, right? Before yeah. I was married, I would participate in with the person who I lived with. And after I was married, my wife would light for me at home. And it seems like his preferred version is the my wife would light for me at home. Okay, got it. So even after he got married, he still stayed in the cola. Okay, yeah. Yes. It wasn't like he got married and he moved away. Makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He got married. He's at the Kolel, or Hanukkah at least, and his wife is at home and she's lighting on his behalf. Um, and the spot I met is actually, it was a perfect question because it's a bridge into this amazing spot I met. So the spot I met here points out, and again, um, this is the same spot I met as the Spasames on the Torah. It's the same guy just here. He's being an Akron on the Gemara instead of a Hasidic master. Um, and it really gives insight into um, how like learned and brilliant some of the Hasidic masters really were. Um, okay, so here we go. Um, right? So this this Rabbi Zera story originally I would participate by paying into my host's um Hanukkah money. Um so he says, 
Um, De, Medina de Rafshisha. It seems actually like Rabbi Zira is doubtful. Mesupak, like he's doubtful. He has a question on the law of Rafshisha. So Rafshisha, just to put him up here, Rafshisha says, and he says, it seems like Rabbi Zira has like a, a problem with that almost, or like a question about it. Um, so um, so here's the question. So he he's he he's doubting or he's questioning whether an achsanai is actually whether a, a lodger is actually obligated in Nero Hanukkah. And therefore, and therefore he didn't light his own, he just gave some money to the Bahabai, to the property owner. Right. So so I said, you know, oh, why is he Mishta? Like previous read was why was he Mishtatif? Well, maybe it's because they do Tosvot's version of Mahadrim and Mahadrin, and there's only one Harukiyah being lit. Right. But but the Svaramat says that's not a necessary read. Maybe he's Mishtatif, not because there's only one menorah, but because he's not sure if he's actually obligated. He doesn't fully believe Rav Sheshet. If the mitzvah of Hanukkah is near Ishu Veto and I am not at my home, maybe I'm not obligated in the mitzvah of Hanukkah, right? Like the mitzvah of Hanukkah, it's very clear what the parameters of it are. It You need a candle, a person, and a home. And, and um, just like you're supposed to like work really hard to make sure you have a candle, maybe you're supposed to work really hard to be at home. And if you're not at home, you actually just the same way that if you don't have a candle, you're not doing mitzvah Hanukkah. So too, if you're not at home, you're just not doing mitzvah Hanukkah. Um, that's a perfectly reasonable read. And it could be that Rav Sheshet comes along and says, no, no, like very expansive view of home. And Rabbi Zera says, I'm not so sure. And because I'm not so sure, maybe I'm not going to light myself and I'm not going to make a brachel myself because that feels high stakes. So I'll just um, participate with the homeowner, give him a few pruta, keep me in mind. And, uh, and he'll do it for me, and that's it. But then, right behind you, Da'amar hashda vaday lo And his second piece of evidence, so first piece of evidence that Rabbi Zera is not totally trusting of Rav Sheshet is the fact that he's that he was mishtatif that he like participated instead of lighting his own candles. Second piece of evidence is what he says once he gets married. Hashda vadai. So if now if now it's vadai, if now it's certain, then what was it before? Before it was a question, right? So hashda vadai lo Now I for sure don't need it. Dema- and so once and then the svaramet says Once he says now I for sure, what does that teach? What does that teach you? It teaches you that before he wasn't so sure. Before he had a question. So. Whenever we see a story, like a little bit of a Gadata-ish something in the Gemara, um, you always have to ask, like, what is what is this Agadata coming to teach me about the previous statement? Um, and it's a little, you know, it's not totally clear that Rabbi Zira is Agadata. Like, it could be that he's saying it as Halacha, but he's not really using a, a Halacha voice, you know? Like, Rabbi Zira, he has a Halacha voice. He wants to say... Um, 
you know, like everyone needs to keep shivin' and Kim. He knows how to say, you know, um, and, um, and here he's kind of just telling this like autobiographical, uh, story. Um, and, um, oh, I used to think this and then I got married and now I did something else. You know, like, is he telling everyone else that that's what the halacha is? Or is he just kind of saying like, oh, that's what I do. Um, and, um, and it, if, and, but either way, like if it, if it's halacha, let's say, then it certainly adds a complexity to Rosh So let's understand Rabbi Zera as speaking in a halacha voice. Then what happened in the Gemara? Rav Shish, it says, What does that mean? If you just had that statement on your own, you would be like, cool, I'm a lodger in someone's home. What am I obligated to do? I do in someone else's home exactly what I would do in my own home. I would light my Hanukkah candles there. Um, and along comes Rabbi Zera, the Gemara lines him up immediately where he's like clearly not doing that. Um, it, Right, he's clearly, like, you know, not doing Hanukkah candles in the way he would at home. And you kind of know that because then he describes, like, his wife doing it in this normal way. So you have Roshisha, and then you have immediate kind of discomfort with Roshisha being expressed through Rabbi Zera, either as a halacha voice or as a story voice. But it's like, it's an amazing thing, you know, like in the Gemara, you would have, oh, here's the halacha. And immediately you have a story of a rabbi not following that halacha or following it in a weird way. Like that also just comes along to complicate that halachic statement uh, by Rosh Hashanah. And I think that the Spadamat really like brought that out in a very pointed way. Okay. Um, it, so again, we have Rosh Hashanah saying, with an idea of home being, um, yeah, home is wherever you are. And Rabbi Zerah being like, no, I don't think so. Home is my actual home. And if I'm on the road, then I have some like scratching at the mitzvah of Nero Hanukkah. And I'm going to do that by paying into your mitzvah of Nero Hanukkah. At the end of the day, when I'm mishtatif with you, it's your thing that I'm joining into. Um, and it doesn't, fully seem like equal partnership because a pruta is presumably not enough to buy you the oil that you need. Um, okay. So the Mordechai is going to say something interesting that we saw last week a little bit, but here you're saying it in a much earlier source. Um, the Mordechai comments on this last line of Rabbi Zera. Oh, now I don't need to participate with my host. The because someone's lighting for me at my home. So um, the Mordechai just said, Nevertheless, someone's lighting for you at home. That's so great. But you are still Tariq Lirot, which means, right, there's something about if Achsanai was not Chayav Benero Hanukkah, then you would have this this version of Hanukkah I've been talking about, where ner ishuveto, oh, I'm not at my home. Great, Hanukkah doesn't apply to me. I don't have Hanukkah this year. The Mordechai is like, absolutely not. It, ideally, we want someone to light in your home, but you then become the ro'eh, which we discussed last week, the guy who's not lighting, maybe because he's on a boat or whatever, who then um, isn't themselves lighting, but is still seeing. And the Mordechai says, like uh, it seems like in the Gemara, the Roa, it's like, oh, by happenstance, 
lucky me, I happened to see someone's Hanukkah candles. Let me make a bracha. And the Mordechai says, no, if you, if someone's lighting for you and you're not there to see it, Tzarich Liro, it is an obligation for you to see someone else's Hanukkah candles. So in the Mordechai's concept, what Rabbi Zera did once he got married is he got married, he was in yeshiva for uh, Hanukkah, his wife is lighting at home, he's staying at someone's house, and he says, Rina, thank you so much for having me at your house for Hanukkah, my wife is lighting for me, but I'm going to stand next to you while you're lighting. That's, uh, that seems to be the Mordechai's understanding of how Rabbi Zera observed Hanukkah. So you're still having Hanukkah, you're still doing the thing, seeing the lights and someone's lighting for you, but we've we've separated the lighting to fulfill a mitzvah, halakha is a mitzvah, from the ro'ah, right? Like if I'm at home and I light my Hanukkah candles and I make all my brachot and it's so nice, you would never think of mitzvah Hanukkah ner ishu veto as separable from the seeing of those lights. Should I say that? I'll say that again. What's fascinating about the Mordechai is that he says, what Rabbi Zaira did is he said, yeah, mitzvah Hanukkah ner ishu veto, that is all happening in my house. And I have a separate obligation to like also experience Hanukkah as a ro'eh. And those are gonna, I'm gonna fulfill all the elements of both of those things optimally, just separately, which you would never like think of as part of a normal Hanukkah experience. Um, so I think that's a really like the Mordechai's lens on Rabbi Zaira really starts to get at like what are all the elements of Hanukkah? Home is an essential element. Seeing the Hanukkah candles is an essential element, and those two elements can be fulfilled separately, which is wild. Okay, so that was the Mordechai. Let's see how the Rambam deals with this. Um, so the Rambam says, Oreach shemadlikimalav betoch beto, a um a guest, so our our lodger who has someone at their own home who's lighting for them. Then no one needs to light for him or he doesn't need to light at all in the place where he's staying. But if he has no home to uh, where people are lighting for him, then he needs to light in the place that he is a lodger. And what do you do? Um, okay, so let's pause there for a second and then we're gonna come back to this next piece. But the Rambam's language here, I think is very interesting. The Rambam, it seems like, doesn't entertain the possibility that you could have a house that's empty of people. Um, so, right, so let's just look at that again. If you're a lodger who has a house where people are lighting for you, then you do not light at your temporary lodgings. If he doesn't have a house which is lighting for him, then then you have to light in the place 
where you are a lodger and how do you do that? He shares in the oil. So I think, you know, one read of this is just like in the Rambam's time, no one would have left a house totally abandoned. They didn't have alarm systems. Like, okay, that's totally a possibility, right? You would have just had, if you didn't have family, you would have had servants. Like maybe there's like one possible read is the Rambam just simply cannot entertain the possibility of an empty house, which obviously for us is a very easy possibility to entertain. Um, Another possibility um, in the Rambam is that if nobody is at your house, then your house stops being your house. Meaning your house is only your house as defined by your family. And if none of your family is at your house or as defined by like the people you normally live with, they are what make your house into your house. And if none of those people are there, then it's simply not your house anymore. And then you have to light where you are. So I think, you know, and the interesting thing that we're going to, we're going to see come up is a possibility that someone's lighting at your house, but they don't have you in mind. And the Rambam does not entertain that possibility. He's like, if you have a house, then certainly there's people in it. And certainly those people are lighting for you. So the only person who ever needs to light as a lodger is a person who doesn't have a house to light for him. Um, so I think it's just, it's just a really, really like specific and interesting Rambam that again, cuts to a kind of unique idea about what a house is. And in this case, it seems like a house is defined by the people who live in it. And if none of the normal residents are there, such that no one is lighting for you, then that's when your house is effectively gone. Whereas the most housey thing that belongs to you at this time is where you're staying. Yeah, Rina. So so this Rambam is disagreeing with the Mordechai that we just said. Is that correct? Yes. Or, or somewhat um, in yeah. the sense of like, he doesn't have to give any coins. Like well, if, if somebody is lighting for him, um, no, no, no. The Mordechai says you have to see the lights. So right. in that sense, the Rambam seems to be disagreeing, right? So because he says if someone's lighting for you at your home, then then you're done. Then then you've done Hanukkah, a hundred percent. Um. So I think you're exactly right. Um. And then um. But if no one's lighting for you at your home, then like you are effectively like now you're just a member of this home, because this is the homiest thing you have. And so you're going to participate by buying a share in the oil. But an important thing here, and again, this is like leading up again to the Menchad Asher that we're going to see all the way at the end, um, is again, this idea that the Rambam said the, the optimal way of lighting is every single person lighting their own. That's the Rambam's Mahadran Min Mahadran, which we saw last week. So it's interesting here that he says, how do you light as a guest at an inn you're mishtati and you're not bringing your menorah and your oil with you which you would really think would be the way to do it um so again that's like another interesting thing that we're i'm just flagging it over and over again we're going to come back to it okay and then the other thing is now we're going to introduce another element which is there seems to be a piece about hanukkah that's very anxious about what other people will think 
Um, and so even if there's some reason why you didn't light, we don't want anyone to think you didn't light. So maybe you have to light there. And this comes up in the Gemara with this idea that if your house has more than one opening onto the street, maybe you need to light um, in more than one opening. And here we're going to see that the Achsanai, the lodger, um, maybe needs to light in his lodgings, not because he's obligated in lighting in his lodgings, but because what will people think? So, so this is a case where you're a lodger at an Airbnb and you're the only person there. And if you don't like, no one's going to light, but people know that someone's living there and that, that maybe that, that someone is a Jew. So at that point, even though you're actually yoti the mitzvah by the people you fulfilled the mitzvah by the people who were lighting in your home for you because of the people passing back and forth and what they're going to think, you actually also need to light here, which is wild. This idea that you have to light is totally fascinating. That another piece of this mitzvah is the publicness of it, which makes a lot of sense, right? The whole point of Nero Hanukkah is Pirsune Nisa. And so it has to be, it's about the Pirsum. It's about other people seeing it. <laughs> um, but those people apparently do not uh, give the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> and so they are going to say, oh, there's a Jew who's living here who's not participating in Hanukkah. So problematic. Okay, so that's the Rambam. I think the Rambam is fascinating. Um, on to the Rashba. So now the Rashba is starting to get to this question of who's a lodger and who is just a member of a household. And maybe home is not defined by who I'm a blood relative with or who I'm married to. Maybe it's just, it's defined by something else. Um, and the language that the Rashba chooses for that, which is um, language that's that's kind of used for these things throughout Chazal, is um, is who feeds you, where you take your meals, where who the person who's feeding you, you're part of that person's family. Um, so here's here's the Rashba. Um, um, so if I am always, um, if I'm always eating in someone's home, like I just every single day, all my meals, I take at Lily Naz's home. That's actually more my home for the purposes of Nero Hanukkah than the place where I sleep, which means I should be lighting there. Um, or because it's Lily Naz's home, I don't need to light at all, says the Rashba. I need to be mishtatif with her, or that Lily Naz will like acquire on my behalf. She'll like, she's getting her Nero Hanukkah ready, and she's like, oh, this one's Leia's. Okay, now it's ready. Um, and um, and he says it's not the same as an achsanai. Lo dami la achsanai shemadlich betoch beto dehatam farhad liku alav. It's not similar to the lodger who it's actually like, because someone else was lighting for me in my actual home, I didn't really need to light. Um, this person who sleeps in one place but eats somewhere else, 
it's not optional for them. That's a hundred percent their home. That's a hundred percent where they need to be lighting, but maybe like they're not fully family. So they have to buy into the candles there, but that's where they really need to be. Um, which I think is, is interesting, right? This person, it's not like, um, a child or like, a, an adult kid even, or, or let's say a wife needs to buy herself into her husband's home on that road. Um, and so you might think, okay, the options are you're a member of the family, in which case, like, you're just part of this financial unit that is purchasing Hanukkah candles, or you are a guest, and then the guest has the rules of the achsanai, so someone's lighting for you at home, or you're paying in. And the, the Rashba saying there's actually a third category. There's a third category of person who takes all their meals with the family, but lives across the street. That person needs to join in with the family for Hanukkah candles, but they're not exactly part of the family's financial unit. So they need to buy themselves in, but they have to buy themselves in, right? They're not like an Ahsanai who could have someone late for them in their home, right? So this guy, this middle middle figure who eats all their meals somewhere but sleeps somewhere else, you are, you must. It's like the Achsanai who does not have anyone lighting in their home. And he actually takes the Rambam's language and says it even more clearly. He has no house anywhere else, right? So we've divided up guests now into a few different categories. We have the guest who has a full home of people back where they came from who are lighting for him. We have the guest who has no other home. So they clearly need to be mishtatev. And then we have the guest who... um. The guest who's like always a guest. I eat all my meals here with you guys. I'm half part of the financial unit of this family. But, it, and it seems clear from the Rashba, to be a full member of this family's financial unit, I need to eat with you and sleep with you. I only do half of that. So I'm going to pay in. Um, but I must pay in, says the Rashba. So here we have, right? We have someone who's like a Havzi's home but that then sheds light on the person who has the same din as him, which is our achsanai who is paying in, right? So the achsanai who's paying in has the same halakha, the same laws apply to him as the guy who eats all their meals with the family, but doesn't sleep there. That you're this like Habzi's figure and that's why you have to pay in. Yeah, sorry, you're muted. Right, thank you. I was just thinking about how does this jive with laws of lighting Shabbos candles when you're not home? Um, like if you're at a hotel, we're all familiar with those big tables that they put out with the lots of candles. Does that depend on whether there are still other people at home in your family? And if they light at home, do you have to light at the hotel? Um, and then there's also, I think it's very common for people to light in the lobby, but I, I think I once heard that Rev Herschel Schechter said it's more more appropriate to light in your room because that's where you're sleeping as opposed to a communal dining room where you're eating. So I'm wondering how much these two things sort of track each other. Um, yeah, they overlap in really interesting ways. And there's halachot that are learned one from the other. So like the bracha of right. Shabbat maybe is like learned from Nero Hanukkah, which is fascinating. Mm -hmm. um, 
the Mincha Asher on um on Hanukkah has a whole big essay about this. The essay that mm-hmm. I'm just quoting a tiny bit of it at the end, but I'll send mm-hmm. you. I can see that it's on his. It's on the Mincha Asher website also. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'll, I can send you the whole thing. It's like it, he really <laughs> does a full a full treatment on exactly that question, and mm-hmm. it's like Rav Asher Weiss style. It's beautiful. So I'll send it to you. Great. Yeah, it's exactly the right question. The overlap with uh, with Nero Shabbat, absolutely. Um, okay, I think since we are running a little bit low on time, I want to skip the Maharil. Um, what the Maharil is dealing with is like where he takes us is we're now in a world where we don't follow the re. So our understanding of Mahadrim and Mahadrim is everyone lighting for themselves. How does that track onto the onto the asanai um so that's kind of his question and um and definitely um people should um should read it but right he's saying like just to read a tiny bit um, he says, like, the practice nowadays of lighting near Hanukkah is my, someone's lighting for me in my real home, but I'm a, I'm a, I'm a guest or I'm a bucher somewhere. Wherever I am, I'm still lighting candles. Is that actually wrong? Like, should I actually do what Rabbi Zira did? And so the Maharil says, no, no, like, you should do what your actual practices and there's no problem with being mosif and it and it's totally nice um but just to scroll down to this for a second um the um the maharshal hates it he takes exactly that same question and he says like the, now, now what we see nowadays is that Bacharim are not all just paying in to their host, but they're actually lighting on their own. And they say, says, yeah, and, and they think that what they're doing is preferable to what Rabbi Zera did. The Maharshal is not known for his um, gentle language, says, This is the practice of Ashkenaz where they raise up the trivialities and put down the essential things and let them not be if only they would not act leniently with mitzvot that are more important than Hanukkah dum, dum, dum. <laughs> um, but anyways right so this question because that that is really what we see and what we all do is um I'm staying at a hotel over Hanukkah. I'm surely lighting my own Hanukkah candles. I could never imagine doing something else, right? Oh, I go to my parents for Hanukkah. I light my own Hanukkah candles. Why would I ever pay into their Hanukkah candles? I would just bring my own menorah and light there. Um, so we see the Maharil being in favor of that and the Maharshal being very, very anti. And I think what kind of drives that is a few different things. One is a, a, a textual read of Rabbi Zira, how was Hanukkah, how was Mahadrim and Mahadrim practiced in his days versus our days, that debate, do we follow the read, do we not follow the read? So that's kind of like a text question um, or like a theory question on like what Hidur of Mitzvah Hanukkah looks like. Um, and then there's 
and then there's also this this question about kind of like wealth and changing custom over time um and all of that which i think is important and then the the like third level question which to me obviously is like the most interesting is in like Rebbe Zero land, home is not where you're currently staying. And like, how dare you forget for one minute that Hanukkah is a home mitzvah and you are not at home. And in the version where everyone just lights a full menorah wherever they are, there's actually a loss there because you lose the incentive to make sure you're home for Hanukkah to do this mitzvah optimally. You start to feel like I could do this mitzvah optimally anywhere. And so I think that might be part of what motivates the Maharshal's anger on behalf of Rabbi Zera, um, where the Maharshal is saying, like, there's actually loss in not doing the Rabbi Zera thing. You've picked up the tafel of this, like, hidur mitzvah, but you've lost the ikar. And he doesn't spell out exactly what the ikar is, but I think that the ikar is going home for Hanukkah. Like, you've lost the ikar, which is that by it, is a turning point of this mitzvah. And if you are an achsanai, you are almost definitionally not in your bayit. You're a transitional person and you could be the type of achsanai who doesn't have a different bayit. But then who are you? It's not that your achsanya has become your bayit. It's that it's like you're a havzis bayit and you buy into what's happening there. And you like try and become like, a somewhat member of that family, but the real members of the family don't have to buy in. The children don't have to buy in. You have to buy your place in that family, uh, but no one else does, which I think is is like really, really um, important and interesting. I want to just show you quickly the Shulchan Aruch, just because like it's good to always see the Shulchan Aruch. Then we're going to look at the Mincha Asher, and then we're going to close. There's lots of other stuff on here. You're welcome to peruse it at your leisure. Okay. So the Shulchan Aruch just says, "Achsanai she'in madlikin alav bebeito tzarichli te pruzo abal bay lishda tefimo b'shemen shal ner chanaka." Um, so the Achsanai, if no one's lighting for him at home, then he needs to give money to the bal to the owner, and and join in mishtate participate, um, in the the oil for that for the owner's candles. But if he has, right, we saw this, um, if he has his own entryway, we saw this in the Ramam, then he has to light in his own entryway. Um, and he needs to light in his own entryway, even though, right, we just saw the opposite of this actually in the Rashba, but the Shulchan Aruch seems to be paskening against the Rashba. If you have your own place that you're sleeping, whether you're an Achsanai or whether he says, or if you are um, Ben HaOchel Tel Aviv, you're a, maybe an adult child who's eating with your parents, but you have your own entrance to the house, or you or you live across the courtyard in your own little home, uh, you live in the carriage house, whatever, um, you need to light your own candles if you have your own entryway, says the Shulchan Aruch. Um, but so that, so in the Shulchan Aruch here, this is very interesting and it cuts to something Suri just mentioned. In the Shulchan Aruch, it seems to be all about where you're sleeping. The Ramah says, oh, but we in Ashna were really persecuted, so we light indoors. Um, 
you should eat in the place where you are sleeping. This comes up a lot in um, college dorms where you're sleeping one place and then you're eating in a dining hall. Do you light in your dorm or do you light um, or do you light in the dining hall? Um, a lot of um, undergrads don't have options because you're not allowed to kindle fire in your dorm and the dining hall is at Hillel where they are fine with you lighting Hanukkah candles but just to like flag a practical um, element of that distinction between the Shulchan Aruch and the, the Ramah where this really comes up um okay and then here's where the um in this yesh omrim is where the Mordechai actually becomes the halakha if you are if people are lighting for you but um, if you're in a place where there are no other Jews, then then you should light. And the uh, and the Ramah spells it out explicitly. And he, he names the Mordechai because you have an obligation to see the candles. And in fact, that's even our practice, even if you're around Jews. Um, and you can see the other candles. So we actually, he ends up paskening like the Maharil against the Maharshal and saying, you know what, more important than you always remembering where your home is, is you doing Hanukkah candles and not separating out between Neri Shubito and Ria. No, you can compromise a little bit on the definition of buy it, light where you are and see your candles. And we prefer for those to go together than for someone else to light for you. And it's totally great to light where you are, concludes the Ramah. Um, okay. Um, we're going to skip that. Okay, Minchad Asher in the last four minutes, and we're barely going to do him justice, but it's amazing. I'm happy to send to anyone who wants it. I'll, 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 I'll get Suri's email, I already promised, um, to send the rest of this. Um, right, so this essay is called Mitzvat Ner Hanukkah, Ner Shabbat Vachsanai. You can actually just Google that with Minchad Asher and you'll find the whole thing. Um, he has all of his, he's very generous with his materials and they're all available on his website. Um, okay, so he says, and in my humble opinion, they use this language of participate. The Right, it's so weird. Oh, I participated with money. If I participated in your sandwich with money, what that means is I bought half your sandwich, right? Like that's the translation of I participated in your sandwich with money. So why are we using this language of participation instead of this language of like, no, that he says, but truly he says, lo the reason we're not using Kenyan language is because Kenyan is not actually the relevant um, movement here. It's not the relevant transaction. Rather, the whole law of participation with a pruta is a, a certain branch from an essential root of ner ish uveto. Hishtafut bepruta is a branch from the root of ner ish uveto. V'kach tignu chachamim da'al yedei ha-hishtafut ha-achsanai bahuta'ot nero chanakah. And so too, the rabbis established that through the the um, lodger participating with a little bit of money for the cost of Nero Hanukkah, 
What does that do? It doesn't buy him some of the Nero Hanukkah. Okay, we actually, if you look back at some of the Makor we skipped, there's actually a whole debate about whether the Balhabayat needs to add more oil in. Um, it, but it seems like the Minchan Asher doesn't believe in that, right? He says, what are you buying? You're not buying the Nero Hanukkah. Um, what, what are you buying? You're buying yourself into the family. It's like um, like a little miniature dowry or something like that. Like, what does this money do? It's buying me a place in this collective that is called Ish Ubeto. So even though I'm a lodger, but because I'm not perpetually eating together with this family and I'm not relying on them. That once I'm participating with my little bit of money, I become part of Ishiveto. I become part of this home unit that is this place and these people who are attached to this place. I've attached my way to them. And I love the idea that how do you attach yourself to a family is through Hishatfu, through participation. Um, and then, and this is a, this is a, a special enactment, a unique enactment, which I think is is just really, really, and I'm exactly at time, so I'll stop. But I think it's a really beautiful read of this kind of strange and unique word. Um, and um, and a really interesting idea of like what it's about, that I'm becoming like this para member of this household through my participation in the household finances. Yeah, sorry, you're muted. You're still muted. Oh, you're still muted. Are there any other um, mitzvot where this concept of hishtarfut bifruta happens, applies, is common? Not that I know I think, of. Yeah. Okay. I can't think of anything. No, I can't either. If anyone thinks of anything, let me know, because I would love it. But I also feel like Rav Asher Weiss would have thought of it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so. Right, right. Yeah. Really unique. It's cool. Yeah. All right, Liliana, take us home. Okay. Well, first of all, thank you so much, Rabbanit Sana, for that amazing class. We packed in so much, so many interesting things. I feel so ready for Hanukkah starting in like two days. Crazy. And thank you to all of you guys for being part of our learning community and for your questions and comments. Um. Just before we go, I want to remind you that registration is now open for the winter's month here at Drisha. We're going to be starting with a special short program on organ donation from the from December the 25th to the 27th, which sounds really exciting, a great way to spend any winter break you have. Um, and we will be continuing in winter's man with our Mishnah in Depth project, continuing with Ketubot with our very own Rabbani Leia Sana. So you can find out more about all those classes and all the other exciting classes we have at our winter's man and register for them at 5784.drisha.org slash winter. I just put the link in the chat so you can click on it. And I will see you here next week for the last in this series. Thank you very much and have a great week. Great. Thank you.